uh, you know, contrary to popular belief. But uh, discernment there, right? In other words, I know what you're thinking. It's kind of a scary thought, isn't it? I know what you're thinking. And uh, here's what it is. I know it. All right? Cue it up. Next slide. Yeah, who is this guy? <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah, I know it. See, am I right? Am I right? Uh, my name's Dan Ray. That's uh, W-R-A-Y at the end there. Yeah, people accuse me of having two first names. Dan Ray's my name. I have a lot of friends and family here today. I'm looking down at Linda Straub down here, and we've got... I'm not introducing everybody, right? You can all put your hands in the air or something. We've got a bunch of them back there. Fortunately for you all, you know, all five kids and kids-in-law and ten grandkids aren't here. Uh, we just got a bunch back in the corner there. I do want to say, you know, uh, coming up here this Saturday, Veterans Day, can I have everybody who served? Can I have everybody stand up who served in the military? Reserves, auxiliary... Whatever. Thank you. Amen. Thanks, everybody. Thanks for your service. Even you Navy people, you know, we have, have that competition, right, between the Coast Guard and the Navy. I was Coast Guard for 11 years. And uh, so that's uh, some of what I did right there. I was a conning officer, a navigator, um, certified ice pilot for uh, polar operations. And, uh, you know, as a conning officer, if you don't know what a conning officer is, you know, I didn't just go around conning people. I um, was on the bridge of the ship up there, the pilot house, up where the steering wheel is. And the conning officer, uh, under the authority of the commanding officer, is in charge of the safe conduct of the vessel. I uh, usually have a helmsman there with me, an uh, engine order telegraph person there, maybe a radar men or two. Lookouts up there as well, and a quartermaster keeping uh, track of the plot. And uh, depending upon the situations, we might have more people on the bridge up there. It might be pretty busy up there uh, if we're in uncharted waters and uh, heavy fog. Uh, we're probably going to have a few other people up there. Uh, somebody specifically watching the fathometer <laughs> to tell me if uh, we're getting it into shallower stuff there. But uh, I'm going to tell you a story here today. Sea story. Uh, sailors, you know, you all will chuckle a little bit about a sea story. But, you know, this will be uh, just a sea story. I'm going to apologize to my mother in case this is the first time you're hearing this. <laughs> but uh, so Coast Guard Cutter Northwind. That's one, you know, all of us veterans, we don't always tell, uh, especially our parents, everything that uh, happened to us in the service. So let's, uh, right, I hear a chuckle up here. Yes. <laughs> so, uh, next slide there. So, for a few Bible verses, you know, there's a lot of military in the Bible. There's, there's sailor stuff in the Bible, too. And uh, let's, just, let's just get into a couple of them. So, let's roll on. Ephesians, everybody knows this one, right? Put on the whole armor of God. Got a lot of defensive weapons in there. And one offensive weapon, Word of God. Uh, the sword of the Spirit. All right, so everybody knows that verse. How about another one? Let's see if some other ones here. This is Psalms. 
Uh, I don't know if a lot of people have known this one here. Those who go down to the sea in ships have seen the mighty works of God. I've seen some mighty works of God all over the world. I've been in 45 countries, 48 states, and seen a lot of mighty works of God. Uh, this one here, <laughs> you know, uh, the seas. Yeah, they mounted up to the heaven. They went down to the, uh, their courage melted away in their plight. They reeled and staggered like drunken men. Yeah, I've done a lot of staggering around on bridges that were a, a wild roller coaster ride, and I couldn't get the operator to shut it off. <laughs> so, uh, so, good verse here, Psalm 107. And let's move on to the next one uh, Acts 27. You know, a lot of naval historians study, even those who are maybe not Christians, uh, they will study Acts 27 because that is a very vivid description of a, a vessel in difficulties. And there are some very specific things the sailors do to try to save that ship. They use sea anchors. They use regular anchors. They actually run ropes. Actually, when a rope's in use, it's a line. They run lines underneath the hull of the ship to try to hold it together. Wooden ship, right? So I've been on some wooden ships, you know. That's how old I am. Uh, uh, my first skipper was named Noah. Uh, <laughs> they didn't mention the cabin boys, you know, in the Bible. They only mentioned the main people. Uh, yeah, when neither sun nor stars appeared for many days, you know, they gave up all ho hope of being saved. Yeah. Uh, I think some of us sailors have been in that situation there, right? Uh, and uh, in James, James 1. Uh, James my favorite book of the Bible, just in case anybody wants to know there. Uh, anyone who doubts is like a wave of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind. I've been in ships that have been driven and tossed by, you know, when you don't have an engine, when your engine dies, right? When uh, we call it dead ship. When you, when you go dead ship, uh, you'd be tossed and uh, thrown around by the wind, by the seas. Not a good feeling. Uh, a lot of ships have a tendency to want to get uh, parallel to the waves. <laughs> And then you roll, and you roll, and you roll. Uh, next slide. Yeah, ever have a bad day? I'm going to tell you about a bad day. This, this, will be, this, this would be my worst day as a conning officer uh, ever. And uh, this slide here, uh, thanks to uh, Wikipedia, I was able to uh, pull this up here. This, this is how, you know, we would categorize our days as a conning officer. You know, what kind of a day is it? Is it a 3-4? Uh, <laughs> is it a 6-1? Uh, you know, what, what kind of... I've had all these different kind of days here. Wave height on the left and the character of the sea swell over here on the right. And the day I'm talking to you about today is a 99. Right? The waves... I mean, this right here says uh, 46 feet or more. I'd have been happy on that day to see a 46-foot wave. <laughs> that would have been a good one. And a confused sea. You know, when you're, if you look at some of the highest wave heights ever. Now, as I'm telling this story, be thinking about some personal life applications. I'm going to get to them uh, when, I'm, when I'm done with this section. But think about some personal uh, life applications here. Um, if you look at some of the highest wave heights ever recorded, like... <laughs> One of them out in the Pacific Ocean, they measured the height of it with a sextant, you know, it was <laughs> that high. And uh, that one, however, in the Pacific Ocean, you have a long fetch 
the wind goes a long distance. You know, the, the Pacific Ocean is about two-thirds of the earth, actually, basically. And those waves, though they're high, they're separated by a big difference. Distance. You, you ride up on one and uh, over it and up on the next one. It's not too bad. Really not that bad of a ride, even in a uh, you know, 50, 60, 70-foot sea. Um, but in a confused sea, you don't know where the next wave is coming from. And uh, that's not a good situation. A 99 day is a bad day. It's a very bad day. Um, and then you might say, well, you know, what else, Lord? What else could go wrong today? I'm in a 99. Uh, so this, on, on that day, you know, I would have loved to have been able to see this far. <laughs> it would have been great if I could actually seen uh, what was going on that day. And I'm working really hard, uh, you know, on the bridge of the ship trying to make sure uh, that 200 people don't go to the bottom of the Arctic Ocean here. Uh, next slide here, yeah. So, uh, yeah, what else, Lord? What else can go wrong? Well, here's what could go wrong, right here. Uh, <laughs> we're in 24 hours of darkness. We're coming back from, well, we're 1,000 miles north of Iceland. So we're coming back from there. We're headed south. Uh, we've been in constant darkness for 90 days or more. It's still dark. Uh, and there's intermittent fog and a sea smoke. Sea smoke is what you get when you are in a situation where the air temp is below zero and the water temp is really, really warm, 29 degrees. <laughs> yeah, seawater doesn't freeze at 32, right? So, but 29 is warm compared to the air temp, which is way below zero at that time. The wind speed. I only know up to 110 because our anemometer only went up to 110 and the thing was sitting there like this, <laughs> just wiggling. You know? So uh, over 110 knots, by the way, a knot is 1.15 miles per hour, in case you're ever you're, you're wondering there. Icebergs, yeah, we're in iceberg-infested waters. <laughs> what else can we add on top of this, Lord? Uh, you know, iceberg, in that kind of a sea, you know, the, the seas are running, uh, well, NOAA at that time, uh, not, not NOAA from the Bible, but the uh, National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration. Uh, they were saying the seas were running 56 to 62 feet. So the icebergs, some of them are riding up on the waves. My radar operator is getting a blip every now and then. I know there's no ships around us. There's no ships for 1,000 miles. So when we're seeing a blip up there, we know what that is, right? Don't get me started on the Titanic. Do not... Do not, don't mention the Titanic to me. We'll be here till supper and beyond. Um, tell me about how you can't see an iceberg or something. Okay. Uh, not, I'm not buying it. So these icebergs, so I've seen icebergs in all, all kinds of situations. When the Titanic went down in 1912, two years later they created the International Ice Patrol as one of the initiatives. And so I served with the International Ice Patrol, sailing off of Newfoundland in the, in the Grand Banks. Yes, we, every time we went by there, we went swimming where the Titanic went down. It was just kind of a, you know, kind of, kind of a tradition. And you don't just get in the water, you know. You jump off the bridge wing, which is about 40 feet up. So, you know, we're in that area. I have, you know, cataloged, identified, <laughs> searched out, found icebergs, described them, communicated them to ships all around. I know what an iceberg looks like. I've seen thousands of them. Uh, they create, even in a fog, their section of the fog is whiter and brighter than the rest of the fog, right? So icebergs everywhere. These icebergs, some of them are sinking. 
Some of them are up on a wave so high when they hit the trough, they're going underwater, and you don't want your ship on top of it when that thing surfaces. Okay, you don't want that. We had a three-quarter inch tempered steel hull, but icebergs are harder than tempered steel. They're harder than that, right? Multi-year sea ice is harder than that. So I'm out there. I'm on the bridge. This is, okay, I'm on duty. I'm, I'm on the bridge. That's where I'm, I'm, I'm up there. Uh, most of us, well, I had to pull my lookouts in. I had to pull the lookouts in. It was bad. Bad situation, right? We're icing up. With the, the wind speed, I don't want any of my lookouts getting blown off of this ship or something, right? So pull, everybody's in the pilot house, and uh, my radar operator keeps coming up with a blip. There's a blip off our starboard bow. And uh, so, you know, I, I, need to, I need to get out there. I need to get a look at this thing. I need to figure out what it is. Uh, I need to see if I get any ice blink, you know. Uh, ice blink would be if you've got a big chunk of ice sitting out there somewhere, it'll literally cast some light up onto the fog or the clouds that are above it. That's called ice blink. And I'm out there. So I go out on the bridge wing. All right, I'm on the starboard side of the ship, the right side. The wind's coming from the port side, so I'm semi-protected from the wind. But there's ice out there. There's ice out there, but I've got to get out on the bridge wing. I, I want to be listening. You know, icebergs hiss uh, as they release air uh, out, out of there, under the compressed air. So I want to see if I can catch a glimpse of, of the berg off to the starboard side here. I want to see if I catch a glimpse of, glimpse of it off. You know, the bridge wing's 33 feet tall, right? So I'm looking, <laughs> I'm looking way up at these wave, these wave peaks here, and the tops are getting blown off of the waves by this wind. There's spray everywhere. You can hardly tell what you're doing. But I'm on a bridge wing. I'm trying to get a look at this thing. And um, next slide. Makes walking difficult uh, when your ship is. <laughs> can you can you kind of see how that ship is there? <laughs> you know, that's about a 55, 60 degree roll. Um, we were doing about that. We were doing those kinds of. So I'm trying to walk um, and navigate across here. At the time, the guy working my engines, uh, he had uh, lost his balance during one of these things right here. Uh, fell uh, 15 to 20 feet down into a steel bulkhead. Busted arm, separated shoulder. Uh, we're trying to get him taken care of. Meanwhile, down below, a commercial-sized coffee machine had ripped out of the bulkhead, crushed a couple of guys, scalded a few others. So we're trying to get all this kind of stuff taken care of. Meanwhile, I'm trying to walk back and forth, you know, right? And I'm trying to avoid that. Yeah, I'm, I'm trying to avoid a Poseidon adventure here, right? Um, so... Uh, I get out on the bridge wing, and uh, yeah, next slide. And this is what I hear. Uh, can I get a witness on this? Has anybody ever been in a situation? Yes? I, you don't know if the words are coming from inside your head or from outside your head. They're that loud. Right? I hear, better clip in. I, got a, I have a safety harness on, and there's steel pipes all around the ship. For, okay, and I have a carabiner clip on here. I hear better clip in, and uh, being somebody who's used to taking orders, uh, I go up to the steel pipe nearest to me, and ka-ching. I, I can, uh, just like it was 30 seconds ago, I can hear that carabiner clip go ka-ching onto that steel. No sooner do I clip than a 70, 75, 80-footer hits us from the port side. Remember, it's a confused sea. I have no idea where the next wave is coming from. So this one breaks over the flying bridge. 
it actually knocks our crow's nest down. So in order to do that, that wave had to be 70, 75 feet tall. Hits us from the port side, rolls us over uh, 60, 65 degrees. Guess where I go? <laughs> over the rail. <laughs> yeah. Over the rail, hanging by my belt, uh, getting uh, <laughs> every wave, you know. Yeah, steel, you know, 29 degree water, uh, icing up, getting icicles on here. And uh, so, you know, bad day, kind of a bad day, right? That wasn't a good day for me to start reading some of <laughs> these things right here. <laughs> yes. uh, rules of the road, uh, naval ship handling. This, this, this stack here, this would be about one-tenth of, uh, of all the stuff. That, that would be a, like a semi-list there, right? Semper paratus, that's the uh, Coast Guard motto, always ready. Um, I had studied this stuff for years. Uh, these books are, are actually in slightly better condition than my Bibles. I've, I've worn out many, many Bibles over the years. Uh, but these here got a lot of attention as well. You know, the Coast Guardsman's Manual um, and uh, International Law for Seagoing Officers and all that kind of stuff, right? Open ocean piloting. I was a certified ice pilot uh, as well. Weather, currents, and tides. Um, when I'm hanging over the side of a ship in 29 degree water, it's not the time to start studying this stuff. I had to have this stuff already in my memory. Already had to have this stuff going on, right? How to, uh, <laughs> uh, you know, cold water survival. Uh, had that. Had plenty of that cold water survival type training as well. Um, don't ask me if I held my breath or how long I held it because I don't remember. But next thing you know, of course, another wave comes along. Somehow I'm back on my feet. I'm on the bridge wing, right? Mom's praying for me. Dad's praying for me. My wife's praying for me, right? That's, that's how it is. Yeah. So again, I'm going to ask everybody here, uh, have you ever had a bad day? Have you ever said, yes, I see some, I see some bad days out here, right? Um, it's part of life, isn't it? Uh, have you ever said to the Lord, well, what else? What else can we add? <laughs> yeah, uh, somebody's saying no out here, right? Uh, maybe you don't want to ask, you know, what else can we add on here? Work problems, health problems, you know. <laughs> God, don't you see? <laughs> don't you see where I am right now? <laughs> I am living smack dab in the middle of an old-time country and western song. That's where I, you know, Patsy Cline and Hank Williams are singing my life right now. Make them sing backwards, Lord. <laughs> you know, I want my dog back, <laughs> all right? I want my house back. <laughs> I want my car back. I want my health back. Give me some of that money back. You know, what else could go wrong? And, you know, these are some serious problems. And at the bottom there, what about our little frustrations? Dear God in heaven, how much longer do I have to be married before my husband will start putting the toilet seat down? You know, uh, I don't want my toothpaste squeezed in the middle, Lord. You know what I mean? Um, all kinds of frustration. How long, Lord, until my wife recognizes that I am a mechanical genius and I don't need to read the instructions to put that thing together? I don't have to. Right? What do you mean, honey, what is that? That's a bunk bed. You, know, you can't tell? I know there's a lot of parts left over. I know that. 
they must be spares. That's all I can figure. All right? Or how about other frustrations? Uh, Lord, you know my kids. My kids won't listen to me. Uh, when they do listen, they won't obey what I tell them. And that's where God says, uh, you know, uh, I know exactly what you're talking about. Because my children don't listen to me either. And when they do listen, they don't obey me. I know exactly how you feel. So that's God talking to us. And I can tell you when you have a list of stuff going on like this, this is like a 99-day, right? 99-day at sea. This, you have all this kind of stuff going on. This is, this is a bad time for you. Now, when you're embroiled in this, is not the time to start studying your Bible. I mean, you, you, you should, but it's rough if this is your first time at it. Uh, next slide. Yeah, I asked God, why are you taking me through troubled waters? Because your enemies can't swim. You know, we're supposed to be thankful for those bad days. All those bad days, they're building our faith, building our strength. All those, yeah, count it all joy, James chapter 1. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. You know the testing of your faith produces steadfastness, and let steadfastness have its full effect. You may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. I can tell you that after my bad day, after my 99 day with, uh, you know, air temps below zero, seawater temp at 29, and all of those things that were going on, it was pretty hard to scare me after that. You know, uh, you're in what kind of a sea condition today? <laughs> oh, deadliest catch? <laughs> yeah. yeah, tell me about your high seas in the Bering Strait. Tell me all about that. You know, that stuff... Um, I, very difficult, very difficult to phase me anymore after facing some of those things. And now you might find that in your spiritual life too. You go through hard times, but somebody told me a long time ago, with everything that happens to you, you got two choices. It can either make you bitter or it can make you better. The Bible says, many trials face the righteous, but the Lord delivers them from all of them. Right. So that's what we have to focus on. Uh, next slide, please. How are you going to be Semper Paratus in life? There you are, right there. Okay, these, these were my Semper Paratus books. I, this is about one-tenth of my Semper Paratus books from uh, trying to keep myself and the rest of my crew alive at sea. These would be your Semper Paratus books here. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, all the way on through, all 66 of them. And uh, let's move on. Next slide. God wants to speak directly to you through your word. I'm going to go out on a limb here with a chainsaw like I usually do. And I'm going to say, <laughs> I'm just going to, you know, uh, let me give the uh, disclaimer. Uh, what I say here today is not necessarily the views of New Life Church or Pastor Ed, <laughs> right? Uh, uh, so I'm out on the limb with my chainsaw, and I'm going to say, I know there are a lot of good books out there about the Bible. And I'm going to tell you, don't read a single one of them 
until you've read the whole Bible. Don't do it. I'm not, I'm not saying these people haven't heard from God. All I'm saying is that when Satan came to Jesus in the wilderness, what did Satan use? Scripture. He quoted Scripture to the Son of God, who was the Word. Right? How many, you know, and, and in the Bible it talks about Satan coming as an angel of light. How are you going to know when you're reading something that is not scriptural if you don't know the scripture? How are you going to know that? Nobody, I'm not going to get back to the Titanic. I pro, I'm not going to, I'm just not going to go there. But how do you know? I mean, I've read it all. I, I, I've read the volumes of reports of all the testimonies, eyewitness, all this kind of stuff. How do you know when some of that's bunk? If you haven't cataloged and identified 1,500 icebergs yourself and piloted a ship in those waters. I've been, I've been through where the Titanic went down, I don't know, 100 times. I've lost count, right? How do you know if those reports are not accurate? Unless you've been there, you've done that. How do you know? See, God wants to talk to you directly through his word. God says, look, 40 people and thousands of scribes risked their lives. A lot of them were put to death, martyred, to get to you a Bible that we have access to all over the place. We have Bibles all over the place here. Um, I have an app on my phone, Blue Letter Bible. I can, anytime I want, I can go to whatever verse I want. Bing, just kind of click on that verse. I see, now I see the interlinear Bible. Now I see the original Hebrew, the original Aramaic. The, the tools, the tool, and then, you know, you link from there to the exhaustive concordance, Strong's exhaustive concordance. You can see the original meanings of the words. We have all of these tools available to us. And what do we want to do? We want to go out and buy a book where they quote six scriptures and then pontificate on those six scriptures. God wants you to open up his word. Open up the Bible. Read the Bible. Start to finish. I am going to challenge you here today. I'm sorry about that. I'm, I'm, I, I, can, I can be a little bit of a stickler on this. Here's your challenge. I'm going to be closing with this. If, if you all want to talk more about the Titanic, just let me know. Uh, <laughs> You know, you uh, won't, uh, that or the Edmund Fitzgerald. I, mean, I read all of these reports. I, I've read every, uh, you know, the, the coasts of the world are littered with shipwrecks. I've studied most of them. But here's your challenge. I want you to read the entire Bible. And I'm not just saying skim it. If you want to look through some of these books here, all right, this is some of my professional qualifications here. Uh, that's all my handwriting. I, I don't know what your learning style is. If you have to have the Bible read to you, get an app that will read it to you. If you need to write while it's reading to you, do that. If you want to take a learning style test, those exist online. Some people are visual, some people are, 
They learn by hearing. Other people learn by doing. I'm one. I like to hear it. I like to see it. I like to write it. I, that, that has always worked for me. This book and many, many, this isn't the only book that's like this, you know, but this is all stuff that I wrote down. I cemented that in my mind so that when I find myself hanging by a thread over the side of a ship, um, I'm not thinking, you know, I, I really wish I would have paid attention in uh, basic naval architecture. I wish I'd have paid attention in that class. Now's not the time to be thinking that. You want to have that knowledge in you. Read the entire Bible, and I'm saying even the genealogies. People back in those days did not name their kids Sam and Fred and whatever. Those names mean something. When you read those names, you're speaking in tongues, okay? You're saying something. If you, go ahead and study this, you know, do an internet search on this one here. Um, the first ten names of the Bible, Adam, Seth, all the way to Noah, they tell the gospel story. Man was appointed mortal sorrow, but the blessed God came down giving them hope. That's what the first ten names of the Bible mean. Read those names. You know, butcher them pronunciation-wise. You know, Mahalalel. Mahalalel, time for supper. Uh, you know, Zerubbabel. That's, uh, I'm looking at Vicky. That's Vicky's favorite, Zerubbabel. We're not naming our kids or grandkids Zerubbabel, but, you know, good guy. But read all the names. If you can't pronounce them, try, try your best. God knows that you're trying. Those names mean something, and there's a lot of them. Read them all. Read every word. God didn't put anything in that Bible that you don't need. It's all there. This is your challenge. I don't care how you get it done, but I am going to say, please do that. Um, I'm not here in uniform today. I'm not going to give any orders, anything like that, you know. But please do that. You know, you'll be better off with that. You'll be able to discern when people are feeding you a line. There's a lot of self-help Christian books out there that are absolutely going to lead you astray but you're not going to know it unless you know the word, every word of it. And with that, I believe that's my last slide. I want to thank everybody for your time and attention. I think that's my last one, right, Tracy? I didn't put anything extra in there. All right, thanks, everybody. I appreciate it. Let's, uh, let's all stand and we'll uh, close in a word of prayer. Mike, am I allowed to uh, close us up now, or do we have other stuff going on? Father in heaven, come before you today. We're so grateful. Grateful for your word. Jesus, you are the word. John chapter 1. Jesus, thank you for being the gate, for opening, or for being the word, opening the word to us, for making a way for us to have a relationship with the Father, for sending the Holy Spirit to us. Holy Spirit is who reminds us of everything that Jesus has said. Holy Spirit, thank you for doing that. We're going to do our part by getting that word in us, Holy Spirit, so that you can remind us of things. Father, thank you for all the tools that we have available to know your word, to know your will. Your will is in your word. 
Father, give us that desire. Give us that desperation to know your word, to get into it, to take notes, to highlight it, to categorize it, to learn it like our lives depend on it because, Father, we know our lives for eternity do depend on it. Father, thank you for all of these tools. Thank you for putting in us a desire to be closer to you by learning your word. And we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Yes, sir.